turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. For those of you who are watching or listening to the radio broadcast or the podcast, we welcome you to uh, this session of The Kingdom and Its Stories. And in uh, in this uh, production, we want to emphasize how we can and, and encourage how we can be Jesus' hands and feet. So that as the world looks at us, they don't see us, they see Jesus and are drawn to him. And uh, for today's uh, interview, we have Pastor Nathan Lutz, who I've known about and met occasionally um, over the past. But Nathan, I haven't seen you for a long time. But welcome, welcome to this podcast. We're we're very glad to have you with us. Now, I want to start by just asking you uh, to tell us who are you? What's your vocation? What's your avocation? <laughs> I'd have to shoot you if I told you. <laughs> um, right now, I am mentoring some folks who are on their way to the field. That's part of what I do. And part yeah. of what I do is train for an organization that sends people to the unreached world as long-term workers to launch movements. And then I also serve on a uh, foundation that helps delicately and wisely fund the wise portion of the funding that can go towards movements. That's a very tricky business. Right. Right. Yeah. We, we understand that. Um, and, uh, I, I know that our listeners do as well. So Nathan, how, how did you get there? You know, um, when I see you, I see you're, you're probably about as old as I am, or maybe a little younger. And, uh, but, but what was the journey that brought you to this place in your life? Well, Bob, looks deceive. I'm only 46. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, journey, you don't lie very well. Yeah, I know. it. <laughs> my journey started, I was thinking about this the other day. It started with my dad when he was taking a young man to pick up his deceased brother. And I had worked all night <clears throat> in the gold mine. And so I was sleeping in the back seat. And my dad began to share Christ with this guy. And Mm. that made such an impact on me to hear the casual and natural way 
that my dad would just, on this long drive to Swaziland, he would pick up the conversation and turn it around to Jesus until he had really shared the truth with this man. And I have to realize that became a model for me. And it it probably did more to uh, set the pace of my life, watching my dad do that. I mean, he'd done it before, but that particular time was very uh, strategic in my life. So I heard you mention Swaziland. Does that mean you were not born in the U.S.? I was born here, but I was raised overseas. Okay. All right. Okay. In what country? In South Africa. In South Africa. Okay. Great. I love South Africa. I've been there a number of times and it's uh, many, many, many good friends there. So um, I want to ask you sort of a theological question. Um, What's the difference between being converted and being a disciple of Jesus? Hmm. Well, I don't think there should be. Okay. Um, I do think that many people who have made some kind of a response to Jesus are not converted, and therefore they are not disciples. But the word be changed and once okay. there was a little bit of a a uh, audio blur, uh, glitch there could you start that again please um the word convert uh, implies change that there's been a fundamental change inside of us and right and when that happens we change allegiances and so when I see people who have supposedly prayed some prayer and they're not changed, it's hard to know if they've been converted. Okay. Possible, but hard to know. Possible, but hard to know. Yeah. Right. What would you say are some of the main indicators of knowing whether they are or are not disciples of Jesus? Wow, I didn't know we were going to go this direction, Bob. Uh, <laughs> and I don't want to sound too judgmental because I know that I've been wrong more than I've been right. But I've been recently struck by the words of Jesus when he first called the disciples to follow him. He did not say, come and I'll teach you many good truths. He didn't say, come into my uh, Bible study and I'll... Uh, help you know good theology. He said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. There's something about general, genuine conversion that when we've fallen in love with Jesus, when we've recognized him as the treasure that he is, which is what conversion is about, it's uh, difficult to conceive of us not sharing him. We generally talk about what we love. And of course, we also love what we talk about. And so the two go together. And so when I see someone who is not sharing something that's very precious to them, namely Jesus, Mm -hmm. it leaves me wondering, have they really been converted? How could you not talk about someone as precious as Jesus? Right. Yeah. So 
um, is it just talk or does there, is there, I mean, can, can it be talk alone or does it, uh, does being a disciple require something beyond verbal action? Well, it's not the talking that is important. It's the fact that it's coming out of a wellspring of affection for Jesus. You, you've fallen in love with him. Right. And Jesus makes it very clear in John 14 that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I know some of the translations uh, twist that a little bit, but in the whole context, it's very clear that what Jesus is saying is, the result of falling in love with him is that we will be different. We'll want to be like him. As a kid, I remember my rather poor parents paying for me to take piano lessons. And I dutifully sat at the piano to play. But when that hour was up that I dutifully <laughs> practiced the piano, I would run into the bedroom and grab my guitar that I paid right. for. Nobody right. paid less. And I right. played for hours because I thought the piano was for the church organist and the guitar right. was the cool. Okay. <laughs> I was nuts back then. But the fact is that when you really love something, you want mm -hmm. to become like that. Uh, I learned all the licks of certain songs because the woman I fell in love with liked that music. Okay. When I really love Jesus, I want to be like him. It's, it's, it's confusing to me that people wouldn't when they recognize him. So talking is one of the ways that we show what's deeply affected us, but it also totally changes the way we live. Well, what are some examples of that, that, you know, maybe in your own life or some of the people you've discipled? Um, well, in my own life, my, my actual conversion probably came, I think, later. Uh, I had followed the normal, um, you know, I hate to say this online, but I, I'd actually gone to seminary, I think, before I was truly born again. Wow, yeah. Evangelical seminary and had come out sharing Jesus with others uh, very methodically. I, I was trained in in evangelical explosion. And so that became my way of hearing the gospel. And, and then there was an encounter when <laughs> I was actually reading a, a sermon, some sermons by Martin Lloyd-Jones. And the, the experience with Jesus was so profound that I think that's probably when the spirit gave me new birth. And the result of that was that uh, Jesus went from being someone I like to someone I'm nuts about. Mm, mm, wow. Yeah. So in practical ways, how does that work itself out in, in terms of attracting other people to Jesus? Yeah. So <clears throat> again, I, <clears throat> I don't want to say that everybody has to be my experience. I hope not, but one of the things that I found was that I had to make time to share Jesus and, and to do it in a way that served people at the same time. And so um, when I became a pastor, uh, one of the things my wife and I did was schedule a, a neighborhood night. 
Mm-hmm. I don't even remember why I did that, but it was early on in my in my life that <clears throat> we just wanted to make sure we had time every week in our schedule as a busy pastor. They felt pretty good to be available for our neighbors. And so uh, right off the bat, we started living as though it was our privilege to be an ambassador for this one that I love to those around us. Mm. And, uh, we actually had <clears throat> a young couple uh, bought the house right across from us. They were both stock homes that were built from right. up and, and we watched them get built. And then we became neighbors and uh, they were from Pakistan and they became, basically we did life with them for 18 years. And I'm not sure that, investing the thousands of hours we we did was uh, it was fun i mean i love these guys i still do to this day but in terms of letting people know christ i i maybe we invested too much um but it was partly because uh, there was an extended family of 50 people and right jesus was so captivating that we wanted them to know him Right. So it started the <clears throat> that ministry. So uh, you said, I wonder if we didn't spend too much time. Is it is that possible to spend too much time in, on an individual or a family? I don't know for sure, Bob, but Jesus does say there comes a place where you dust the dust off your feet. I think we would have always been friends with them because we love them. I mean, I have six kids and they, they all wanted this auntie to be there at their wedding. I guess right. it was almost their second mother. So, but um, there were so many others that didn't hear because we were investing so much in. Right. I, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I have often felt that perhaps I needed to be more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit to, to move broader, and uh, and that's what I've done in the last many years. Move broader. What? How does how does that work for you, Nathan? How does the Holy Spirit? You know, what are some examples of how the Holy Spirit has touched you to reach out um, to an individual or to a group of individuals? Well, usually it stems from some fresh encounter with Jesus. Usually it's. <clears throat> I'm I'm in the word or I'm thinking about something. There's a particular lyric of poetry or music that's caught my attention that I, I find myself in a new way drawn to this Jesus who is, um, as, as the psalmist says, whom in heaven do I have besides you and besides mm-hmm. you, I desire nothing on earth. When that reality um, hits me afresh the natural thing is I, I want to share that with somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, when, when my daughters would come home with a, their engagement rings, I mean, they would just about trip over themselves trying to show it to me. That's, <laughs> that's what we do when we have joy. Right. Right. Help me understand that we're not, we haven't finished enjoying something until we share it. That's why we right. do it by right. God because we need to, to share him to finish our joy. And so that, that has often been the the motivation. Now, there are times when it started out of duty where I realized, man, 
I have not been talking to people much about the Lord lately. And, and that's, you know, there are, God did give us commands for that good, but there's nothing like the motivation of love. The more mm-hmm. I see new ways in which Jesus has absolutely intrigued me, the more likely I am to want to find ways to share that with the people that I love. All right. So Nathan, could, could witness, um, is it from your perspective, is it possible to witness um, without verbal proclamation, but just by demonstration? And if so, you know, what would be the circumstances around that? Well, I don't want to say anything is not possible. Okay. It would be hard for me to imagine a man falling in love with a woman and only showing him. Okay. It it would would be unusual because we were created in the image of God to communicate. That's one of the blessings. All right. Good. Yeah. Like him, we articulate our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts. And, and so to think that someone would not share him. Now I don't, I don't want to instill guilt on people because the solution is not to go out and out of duty, try harder. The solution is, to help our hearts fall deeper in love with him. Mm. The secret is to, to look again at Jesus and find another way in which he has absolutely ravished us. And unfortunately, most of us focus on the most important part, which is his death for our sins. But we forget that he is, he's God come in the flesh and everything about him, everything he did, we talk about in our internship, we talk about, think about the ways of Jesus, the works of Jesus, the worth of Jesus, the words of Jesus, as well as his wounds. Don't just focus on his wounds. They are precious, what Paul calls of first importance, but there's so much more to Jesus. And as I spend time looking at how he treated, for instance, how he treated women or how he lived before men such that they were amazed at him, Uh, how he lived before the worst of sinners so that for some reason they always wanted to be around him. That's a strange thing to me that the worst of people liked to be around this Jesus who was, he didn't pull any punches. If anybody called sin, sin, it was him. And yet they loved to be around yes, him. Yes, yes. There was something so winsome. He he could tell people they were sinners without condemning them. Something about him made it possible for people to feel, I really want to be better. Around this guy, I don't want to be the same person I am. So there, there was a an attractiveness about him. And the more I see this in the things he would do, the more I fall in love with him, the more I just naturally want to talk about him. And I think that's where witness has to come from. Right. Yeah. Nathan Lutz, thank you so much for sharing your life and your love for Jesus, which causes you to not be silent and to share him with others. Nathan, what are some examples of how God has led you, recent examples, how God has led you 
to to tell about this person you love and whom you're passionate about? Well, about um, early on in COVID last year, I was doing my exercises right in this room. And uh, all of a sudden, I realized that my my life had changed. I travel a great deal and teach, you know, around the country. So that had all stopped. And as I was doing some calf stretches, it was like the Spirit of God just nudged me and said, Nathan, now you have time to go back and focus on these precious neighbors right around you. Mm-hmm. So for a while, I had, uh, I'd always been involved in our neighbors for the first you know, 15, 20 years. But then I took a hiatus because I was focusing on unreached people. Right. That's another story. But um, all of a sudden I had time. And so I started prayer walking. And I was embarrassed to realize I knew the names of three neighbors. That was unheard of. I mean, that was not the way I. Not the way you wanted to be. Nor had I, nor had it been the way I lived for most of the time. Right. But during right. these years, I was focusing on the unreached. I, I had to do this. And so <clears throat> I started prayer walking. And as I'd meet people, I'd just start conversations with them. And just the other day, I, I realized as I was reciting their names, I know 73 names now of people in my neighborhood. Praise the Lord. In your neighborhood. Yeah, in our immediate neighborhood, right around. Okay, yes. And uh, some of these now I would consider, you know, friends. I really enjoy them. And so during that time, we also connected with a number of believing families in the neighborhood. And so we started meeting together once a week on Zoom to pray. And then when we felt it was a little safer, we started inviting our neighbors to what we called, you know, a fire pit in the driveway. Right. Just ask them. And it was slow going, but eventually um, people started coming just because they were all cooped up too. And we just sit in the driveway with a fire pit and uh, shoot the breeze. And that went on until it got too warm. And most recently, our neighbors. You're going to wonder when you say it got too warm, how do you do that in Phoenix or the temperature today might be in in three digits? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, so now we've moved in house and we just started doing bunko parties and okay. Happens. But the idea is, is that now I have these relationships with people um, that are, are growing and deepening. And I consider a lot of them, my friends, I hope they do, do as well. But the, the idea is that when I'm with them, my joy in Jesus can become the topic of conversation. Yeah. So, Fire pits, junko parties, learning 73 names of, of your neighbors. That's marvelous. And we just moved into a, a new neighborhood here, and we're learning the names and building relationships with our neighbors. And um, it's not a double motive. Or it's We are who we are. We're lovers of Jesus. And so it's just natural. You don't build a relationship in order to share. You do it. Because Jesus loves them. He loves you. And his His love works through you as an automatic, um, uh, as an automatic part of life. So, uh, so you know, I, I just really uh, appreciate what you've shared, Nathan. I know we've talked a little bit before about 
uh, how Jesus, the only perfect human being who ever lived since Adam sinned, was a servant. And if we want to be like him, we have to serve. And so thank you for being a servant and for sharing with us who you are and how Jesus serves us and others through us. God bless you. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on the Kingdom and its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.